Hey, what is up? Thanks for joining. This episode is a fun one. I caught up with another friend I knew from working at Sierra Canyon Day Camp. Garrett is actually still a director at Sierra Canyon. What he described was basically his dream job. And he's also the associate dean during the school year for their K through six school. He doesn't do just that though. Uh, Garrett is very musically talented. He plays a ton of instruments and still composes film scores for films produced in Vietnam, something he's been doing since he was a teenager actually, so we talk a lot about that. He also just started a real estate career, so truly this guy cannot be stopped. We talk about why he's passionate about real estate investing, and he actually posts a lot on Instagram and TikTok if you want to follow him at Crosby Show Homes. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Work Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I want you to join me. Work Stuff, a podcast. Work Stuff, professional stories, casual. Hey, what up, man? What up, dude? It's been a minute. Yeah, dude. Dude, like, I think it's been, what, like, six years? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, man. Dude. How have you been? Good. Really busy. Um, Like you, and like, I'm a dad, right? So I've got two boys, Jack and Austin, and <laughs> um, it's crazy. One's seven, one's four. Uh, wow. I know. It goes really, really fast. I'm not even sure if you've ever even met them before. I haven't. No, yeah. it's been social media is is what I get. And... Yeah. So he's like, it's kind of nuts. Like he's in first grade right now. He's going to be in second grade soon. And so fun. It goes so quick, dude. Like it's such like a cliche, but honestly, like that's the biggest thing for me, like that I, I heard all my life. And mm -hmm. then now, you know, here we are. It's like, holy crap. It really did go really, really freaking fast, you know? Yeah. But um, but yeah. good, I, yeah. Like all the job stuff is kind of nuts. So like, I'm excited to talk about this today. Um, I know, dude. Yeah. What so, about you, dude? Life is amazing, man. I can't complain at all. You know, life is just so good. We, it's funny. Uh, we'll get into this, but we bought a house last uh, September. Nice. So Congratulations. Been exploring that, or like you know, living in that world, and it's all all new. So excited to kind of talk about that in your career path. And yeah, Benny yeah. is almost two now which is mind-blowing because when we first decided to get pregnant we were like it sucks that there's a pandemic right now but it'll be over and if we're gonna have to be like secluded or if we have to be you know not living life to the fullest we might as well get through the pregnancy through yeah now yeah. Good and strategy. then when it's done we'll get we'll be able to go everywhere and like oh crap like this lasted longer than we thought i guess but <laughs> yeah um, i mean that's that's awesome though. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's nothing like having a kid, and there's never a good time to have a kid either. Like, right. It's, it's just it doesn't matter like how much you strategize or you right. don't strategize. Like it's just if they show up and then it's on. Like there's nothing, there's nothing mm -hmm. you can do to stop that freaking firestorm. And like people have asked, like, are we gonna have another? And it's like mm -hmm. I think we're I think we're done. Um. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, if we if we had probably more more space, like, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it's pretty hard, as you know, to like make a living in California. And yeah, um, if we were able to just like have a little bit more of that flexibility, like Sarah stays at home, and I, mm -hmm. I can't, we've always wanted that. Like, she's wanted that. I've wanted mm -hmm. that. It's been kind of like a goal of ours to like have her mm -hmm. be a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. But like, 
for that reason, like it would be amazing if we had three, because like then of course they would get their mom all the time. But like financially, it just it would be it, it's not impossible, but at the same time, like we've we we have plans for other things too. Yeah, like we want to exactly. you know start traveling again and mm-hmm. you know, and, and we could talk about a lot of this stuff like when we actually jump into everything, but like yeah, um, yeah man, I'm just pumped. Like what like what motivated you to start this in the first place? Yeah. So in the summer, I just, I just knew I wanted to like start creating something, you know, like just kind of work on a side project and trying to think of like, what could I use that would be easy for me to do, which is like, I'm down to talk with anyone about anything. And, you know, um, people love to tell their own stories. I like to hear about people's stories. So I started looking at like podcasts and it's actually surprisingly simple to like get it going. It's just kind of a branding or like an upfront effort and then once you get it going it's pretty simple i think yeah no for sure for sure yeah. well this is awesome dude i'm I'm pumped right on man so i guess if you want to just describe what you're doing now mm-hmm. um and how long you've been doing it what, what's going on i obviously know a little bit but for those listening and then i would love to just rewind the clock back to how we know each other yeah and the early days that you know your first jobs and, and talk about some of those stories you know it's funny like people always used to make fun of the fact that like i always had like a million jobs yeah you know yeah and and like that's always been like a part of my of my you know character my being like i just i think i am a workaholic and it became like evident that i have like a lot of passions that Mm -hmm. i that i like to get after in life but um Mm -hmm. i think what that's sort of developed into over the years is i kind of consider myself now like more of like a business owner right Mm -hmm. so i own multiple businesses Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to really kind of capitalize on what business ownership looks like and Mm. this all kind of stems from this like other passion of how to generate you know wealth um generational wealth and doing so um in a new age where you know your mom and dad's strategies are just not going to cut it right now and right that became evident to me uh a little later than i probably wanted to you know Mm -hmm. but um it, it did kind of present itself and you know, and from there stemmed, all right, well, what is it that I really like to do? And what are some of my passions? And then how can I wrap around these jobs to, mm-hmm. to fit or these businesses to fit these mm-hmm. passions? You know, so I don't know, like to answer your question, what do I do <laughs> now? I own a company called Crosby Consultants, which mm-hmm. is essentially a company that provides like enrichment type, educational type, camp type mm-hmm. um, programming for mm-hmm. for schools cool um i've got crosby music productions yeah and that's still something i'm very passionate about and do awesome. regularly so writing film scores for movies tv advertisements video games um, do that regularly have uh, a, a sort of an ongoing gig with vietnam that i've had since wow. i was 18 years old that's so, wild yeah, no, dude, it's like 15, 16 years of that now and uh, <laughs> wow. building up their movie market. I know it's stupid. It's it's kind of crazy. It's um, amazing. But- it's just because uh, I was looking at some of your music and just like, what is this? Like, what is happening here? How, how did like, how does Garrett Crosby get listed or on these credits like for these movies? Uh, are they yeah. based in Vietnam? Yeah, they're all amazing. So they're all basically long story short with that is there was a group of um Vietnamese students who mm-hmm. just loved films. They loved movies. And they, um, you know, here in America, we have the golden age of film that occurred in the late, you know, 20th century. And mm-hmm. they loved those types of movies so much so that all their lives, all they wanted to do was to eventually get into schools out here, um, USC, UCLA, 
And hmm. uh, that way they would have the ability to study and become a director. And so what these guys mm -hmm. did is they came out here, they learned the craft, they took internships, they took jobs. Um, a lot of them didn't even speak very good English, you know, wow. and then they moved back to Vietnam and started what they call the the golden age of film in Vietnam. Cool. And so started out with very, very low budget films up to nowadays. Uh, you know, their their movies now are recording orchestras in Bulgaria for them. Like it's wow. it's all over the world how this sort of production works. But what's wow. really unique about, you know, online connectivity is that I can write a film score for a movie that's gonna be a theatrical lease in Vietnam, Japan. You know, it's essentially a lot of our movies are just like in a lot of the um, the Asian countries and mm -hmm. uh, and some of them now with Netflix, like have international releases as well. Mm -hmm. A couple TV series we did are now available on Netflix or Amazon mm -hmm. Prime has a lot of our movies, things like that. So that's been mm -hmm. really cool. But this online wow. connectivity allows me to write a score for a production that's happening in Vietnam that's going to you know be released to the world. And then I can record the score from my studio here in Los Angeles with Wild. an orchestra in Bulgaria. Wow. And like that have, is insane. Yeah, like 50 players over there recording your music with a translator and we get like a high it's basically like a high-end Zoom connection. Yeah. So we can, we can hear like we're there in the studio and wow. we can give notes in you know somewhat real time. There's like a I think there's like a 6 second delay from like the HD sound, but then there's like a Zoom conversation like, you know. So there's that. Holy and, cow. And then uh, I still work in my dean role and in my uh, camp uh, role at Sierra Canyon. Really? So, okay. Yeah. I wasn't so, sure if that, if that was still the case. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah you really so, do have like all these sorts of jobs. Like why yeah. you just can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's probably one would consider problematic, um, but I, I do love it, you know? And uh, so I still work there. I oversee their camp program and, um, you know, and then part of their school uh, administrative team as well during the school year wow. and then um you know and then my probably what one could argue is my newer venture but mm -hmm. really has been one building over the last few years is this real estate career where i'm running a california team serving cool. clients out here and doing a lot of uh you know your typical real estate stuff you know buying selling and, yeah. and specifically though like i'm very much into the investing side kind mm -hmm. of all sort of comes back to that wealth generational yeah. wealth building mindset and and mm -hmm you know, very, very passionate about that stuff. And I see how it works. And so now mm -hmm. it's like, I want to educate others about it. And mm -hmm. from there decided, okay, well, I should probably get my real estate license because then I can selfishly help myself get these deals, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then one thing led to another is I talked about it enough with my real estate license and people were like, hey, can you help me actually do this? And then I really loved the relational part of that so mm -hmm. much so that I was like, actually, I kind of want to dive into this as well. So yeah. I think that completes everything. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that that rounds you out. That's a lot, dude. We'll we'll have to unpack all that. Yeah, um, definitely. I like I love what you what you're doing with um, social though, just like knowledge sharing for free, right? Like that's that's the way to grow organically. Like give away your expertise for free, and then you earn all that credibility, and people share it, and then it's like okay, I can go to you for opinions and stuff. And I mean, that's super smart. Rather than like gating that, I guess. Oh yeah, you know. Well, no one likes a used car salesman, you know, like <laughs> yeah. no one, no one wants to kind of like meet someone or, or go to someone who is going to try to force 
sell them into something yeah. or, you know, like, I don't know, for me, when I was like looking into investing for the first time, I was using a lot of free resources and I felt mm -hmm. like so much of what I was learning just was, you know, it, it wasn't taught in the mainstream and certainly not talk, talked about in the classrooms or in colleges. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we've all heard of the Roth IRAs and we've all heard of the 401ks, but like, the thing is, is that if you actually unpack sort of from a budget standpoint, considering inflation, considering, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of people who might be dependent on you by that mm -hmm. time when you retire and you mm -hmm. really look at your 401k and you look at your Roth IRA and you start kind of unpacking how much it's going to cost you monthly to continue to live. Yeah. Because I think, I, I think the thing is, is like a lot of, a lot of us, like when we think about retirement, we're, we're hoping it's a time in our lives where we could just be traveling and enjoying, you know, our spouses and enjoying grandkids and enjoying, you know, kind of stepping away from work. Yeah. And uh, I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that's out there is that like the sort of run of the mill retirement plans are going to allow you to have that because the reality is, is if you unpack it, it's like, oh my gosh, no, you're going to be really on a super fixed income. Mm -hmm. and maybe able to take care of your spouse, but really, right. you know, Roth IRAs, um, 401ks, like they are geared specifically to take care of you. Right. They're not considering right. anybody else. Right. And so, you know, so that's, that's something definitely that got me very intrigued, motivated. And of course, then children, like when you have a child, right. now you are not just thinking about yourself or your spouse. Now everything is about, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to provide for this, for this kid of mine. And, yep. you know, you, you had mentioned earlier, like you guys just bought a house, mm -hmm. right. And it's expensive to do Crazy. that, you Nuts. know? And so for Benny, you know, like I'm sure in some, some, like in some form of way, mm -hmm. you and Summer are going to want to provide some assistance, you know, down the, down the road, whether it's for right. college or getting a house and those types of things. And that's, the stuff that like got me very motivated. It was mm -hmm. like, why should I start real estate investing? Because if I start real estate investing and creating sort of passive income flows and building good equity, mm -hmm. like these are going to be the types of things that are going to really help Jack and Austin yeah. be, you know, be able to succeed and in, in probably so be even a harder world. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause like, I feel like Summer and I were pretty good at saving and planning for this for over a decade and we still had some help and so yeah. it's just going to be continuous that way right um yeah. so good for you man yeah i mean um, and we're still trying to figure it out like it's it's an yeah. it's an ongoing it's an mm -hmm. ongoing effort and what i will say is the sooner you start right the better the the sooner you start thinking about your financial future thinking about the kids even if you don't even have kids yeah. i mean one thing I wish I could go back and do back in time is to kind of shake my 18 year old self and say, Hey man, like just start investing just a little bit. Yep. Like doesn't yep. really matter in what, I mean, it'll grow, pick, yeah. pick a good stock Older. account, you know, if you want to do that or try to buy something, if, even if it's a home out of state and it's super cheap, like just, mm -hmm. just do it, like rent it out, just do it because the amount of money and, and the way that you can basically utilize real estate. Mm -hmm. is uh, from a tax benefit perspective, from being able to move your money around, from being able to leverage your money or leverage um, your debt in a sense from the loans you're using to buy these homes. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, what blew my mind looking into house uh, ownership and um, just the investment side is like how 
housing kind of just matches inflation. So it's just, it's basically inflation proof, right? So your asset will just always match that at least. It's inflation yeah. protection, basically. Mm -hmm. Like your home, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to match inflation. It's going to all yeah. be relative, which is something that if you leave your money in a bank account, it's just, it's going it's to eaten. lose, yep. right? It's losing value by doing that. Yeah. And Crazy. Um, one other thing people don't realize too um, is that in recessions, right? I'm not saying we're in one, but we're definitely in like shaky economic times right now. Yeah. We don't really know where we're going. Um, but in recessions, people don't realize that rents don't typically go down in recessions hmm. because more people are getting priced out. For example, the Fed just increased the uh, the interest rates. Yeah. And so what that's doing, and by the way, on a whole other topic, like from a home buying perspective, I have a client that just got into a home and they still offered 20,000 over asking price and they, mm -hmm. they just got it. But we had lost a lot of other offers still between 30 and 50,000 over asking price this wow. week alone. So wow. this idea of interest rates, like really softening the market, I mean, especially in the springtime when all these families are trying to get into their new homes with brand new pools yep. by the summer. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's not really, it's not really happening quite yet, but yeah, if, if the interest rates go up enough, like you'll still, you'll see another pullback similar to what we saw at the second semester last year in the fall winter, but rents don't go down because people who can't buy houses are just renting. Right. Right. So, then it's just a higher demand. Exactly. I, I I love strategy games. Like personally, I love strategy yeah. games. And real estate yeah. is like in and of itself, like a big board game. Just by saying that, I probably bored like 80% <laughs> of your listeners, right? <laughs> but like even right now, you know, if you're a first time home buyer and you're worried about like interest rates are so high, like there's no way we can get into something. But the first thing I would recommend anybody to do is still talk to a lender because lenders are essentially like, a free avenue to get financial advice without going to like a financial advisor and paying like thousands of dollars for that time. Okay. And the reason I say that is because they will be able to do things like look at your total credit and then look at your debt to income ratio and mm -hmm. say, Hey, listen, if you pay your credit card down, if you're able to lower your student loans by X amount, if you're able to whatever, we can actually get you down to like a 5.9% interest rate. And mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. dude, what? Like go in with, again, a strategy, knowing how to yeah. get the lowest rate available. But then outside yeah. of that, there's all these loan products. Sorry, I'm like making this whole conversation about real estate. Totally oh, I love it. Here. I love we it. Can talk, we can talk about the other 86 jobs that I have. We, we, we will, but I love yeah. Um, 99.9% of people are saving or getting some form of assistance. But like at the end of the day, they have this big lump sum of money mm -hmm. and they're making the most important purchase in their entire life. Yeah, it's crazy. Like ever. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the responsibility of like the one individual, like these types of things that I'm talking about, um, is why like getting connected with somebody who you trust and like, yeah. who doesn't mind like, like answering any of your questions, but also like presents strategy. Like mm -hmm. one, of, one of my biggest beefs I have, um, before I got my license and mm -hmm. like kind of, you know, having, having the perspective now, like. It, it's kind of crazy that like back then this even happened, but like Sarah and I, um, my wife, like when we were, you know, first looking for a house to buy the agent we were working with at the time, like didn't really ever give us any suggestions of mm. like what to do. Like we would just go mm. to the house and we were like, yeah, we love the house. And the agent would be like, yeah. great. Like, do you want to write an offer? Yeah. Like we want to write an offer. Great. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want to write? 
And like, I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't sound like, by the way, that so most people it's like, that's not bad. Like, great. Yeah. Like balls in our court. Right. Like, no. The thing is strategy games. Again, yeah. it's it's a freaking board game, dude. Like, so mm-hmm. in my experience, what I try to do, right, is I'm trying to, if I'm taking buyers to go see a house, I will have already called the listing agent mm-hmm. beforehand, introduce myself, get a rapport, mm-hmm. you know, make nice nice. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, visit, introduce again in person, talk about mm-hmm. how much my clients clients love the house, mm-hmm. their family. I sell my clients essentially to this listing agent who's going to then likewise be selling the clients to their clients mm-hmm. who are selling. Right. And right. then, you know, I just start presenting ideas to them like, hey, you know, how would this work? How do, how do you think that this offer would look? Do you think this would compete? How many offers do you think you have right now, give or take? Because they can't really tell you Technically, they can't like tell you exactly what, yeah, what's yeah. on the table. Yeah, but like what we will a, accept or what what else is out right. there. Yeah, yeah. But you can get a, 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 yeah. a freaking Picture. good gauge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, what I'll do is like, if my clients like it, I'll say, look, you know, let me do this. Like, I know that they're presenting offers tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday, if, if, if it's a Sunday um, mm-hmm. at 5 p.m. I'm going to give the agent a call tomorrow at like 10 a.m. Yep. And just kind of feel it out. And that yep. way, like, I know, I know what it's going to take. And yeah. then we yeah. can talk about it. Yeah. So that we're the last word, essentially. Yep. And totally. so, you know, th- that's not something that happened for us. And when we realized that it was already four or five offers deep where we were right. just getting crushed and yeah. our expectations weren't set. And um, eventually what happened? Well, at no fault of the agent, we just got so discouraged we we stopped right you know right and so anyway but yeah that's that's like a huge part it's like getting partnered with somebody you can trust somebody you know um somebody who is not of course knowledgeable but like Mm -hmm. real estate doesn't like clock out so you also need someone who's gonna pick up the phone at like 9 a.m 9 p.m totally like any part of the day um because it is competitive even in even in a softer market yeah, it's all it's all mind games, and then it's like a, it's like a mi- micro um, market almost, but then it's also uh, related to the broader market that's happening. So it's like no no day is the same. I bet like in real estate, it's just like yeah, always it. changing and then fluctuating yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. That's awesome, man. Um, totally. It's pretty pretty cool to see you kind of dive into this whole new career and and lean in so hard. I think uh, yeah, wish you the best there. It's awesome, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, dude, let's rewind the clock a bit. Tell me about how you started at Sierra Canyon. Like, what what is Sierra Canyon, and um, oh, how, how did you start working there? In in I know I'm also curious, like, how many different jobs have you had just at Sierra Canyon? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I started Sierra Canyon when I was four years old. So this yeah. is thirty years ago, and I obviously was not employed there at four. <laughs> um, I was a camper. Um, I never went to the school, but mm-hmm. I was a, a camper there for life and fell in love with the camp. I still remember my my first day like it was yesterday. I remember getting to this place and all these fun activities. And at the end of the day, we had um, this closing circle, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, for those listeners who don't know, you and I, of course, know each other from Sierra Canyon. That's how we yeah. met. Right. And uh, you've worked there, um, you know, many years in the past, too. And but there's there's just something magical about that place and yeah. especially the camp program to me um, as a kid and also as an adult. But 
closing circle is this sort of end of day cultivating, you know, culmination of all the groups and there's council challenges and there's games and there's just, I don't know. I, I it's, it's like organized chaos really and is, yeah. Yeah. it's loud and it's fun. And, um, it, a lot of times yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. And, uh, yeah. but we like it that way. But on my first day, I, um, I met this director at the time. His name was Aaron. He was the, uh, the MC of closing circle. Mm-hmm. And he was hilarious, so funny. I was dying laughing. I go home, <laughs> and it impacted me so much that I I went to my bedroom and I got um I had this beanie baby that it was the green bear beanie baby named Aaron. No way. And so the next day I was like, that's awesome. So like excited to you know share this beanie baby with an idol essentially of mine. Yeah, that like impacted me that much on the first day. Wow. And. I still remember that he brought me down a closing circle and like on the stage and like, I was totally embarrassed and, mm. you know, but like at the same time, it was awesome. You know, it was like a life changing moment. And in that moment on stage as a freaking four-year-old, I remember being like, I think I want to do this. I think that's Forever. what I want to be. I right. think I want to do like this job, whatever this is. Yeah. And so fast forward, um, when I was 14, I became a CIT, which is a counselor mm-hmm. and training position. Mm-hmm. And then uh, did that for a year and a half, got promoted midsummer, became a junior counselor, did that for a year and a half, got promoted midsummer, became a head counselor. And then when I was 18, I got promoted to a director position at the camp. Yeah, actually, I, I want to I want you to tell a story of how you got to be head of Wednesdays. Oh, my gosh. Which I love that. I love this story. It's the best. So you don't have to go into like too many details if you don't want to. Oh, my um, gosh. Too many <laughs> adjectives. But uh, I just love the I love the approach. Like it's such a good hustle approach. You know? Yeah. So this is a great story. You're right. I love um, it. Basically, when I was uh, when I was 17 years old, I was a head counselor and I, you know, we, we used to do these. um these Dodger night trips where as a group of staff, we would go out and we still, by the way, we still do that for our yeah, staff. We take them on, the go on a bus, we go to the Dodger stadium. It's fun. And on the way back, we do these Shibuyas, right? <laughs> and so if you don't know what a Shibuya is, watch Saturday night live, um, Shibuya roll call. You'll just look it up. You'll, you'll know exactly right. what it is. But, um, essentially it's like a, it's sort of like the modern day, like roastings that happen. Yeah. But like in beat and in song, right? So mm-hmm. you're like roasting each other. And so um, what happened was there was a, a director at the time who was the director of Wednesdays. And she just kept giving this friend of mine who was dating this other guy um, a really hard time because it just so happened that this other guy used to date her. Right. Oh, yeah. High right. school drama, dude. Like high yeah. school, college classic. drama, classic. Yeah. So it's getting like borderline, like nasty, like getting <laughs> like, it's all right. Like this, this would have been canceled, like, <laughs> like in the first like 16 milliseconds <laughs> nowadays. Right. But it's like getting to a point where it's like, you know, I don't like the way that she's like, essentially, I'm being very kind, but I, I did not like, <laughs> what she was saying about my yeah. friends yeah and so i took it upon myself well to do uh thank you a shibuya that is essentially um uh insulted her wednesdays we'll leave right. it at that that and, I, and I did. what is a wednesday let's yeah good, good question <laughs> yeah. so at syracanian on tuesdays and wednesdays 
we have uh, theme days, these huge theme days, and they're um, they're spirit days. The kids can dress up in a you know in costumes mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. whatever the theme day is. It's open activity. There's multiple circle times, like an opening circle, middle circle, closing circle, yeah, and they're right. also they're also typically our competition days. It's a and, big day, dude. It's you know, I mean, huge day between like color wars or like unit one versus unit two day, Harry Potter day. Like those days get heated yeah. among like <laughs> for, the kids have a great time, but like the staff, like even these days, I'm like, guys, we got to do this for the kids. Like I've totally <laughs> transitioned to being like a dad, but then like, there's a part of me still that like, yeah, <laughs> I'm fired up. Listen, you know, unit one for life. All right. That's all <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. You know, one for life. Yeah. I spent time um, in both, but yeah, you know, one for life for sure. For sure. But, um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, you know, long story short, um, I basically say in a matter of words and phrase and beat that uh, <laughs> her her onesies are not great and that I could easily, you know, do them. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I didn't even say that. I just said her onesies are not great. Just like insult the, the Wednesdays. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just messing around, whatever. Yeah. Well, this person gets very upset and comes <laughs> up to me in the bus. It's like, you think you can run a Wednesday? You think you could do it? I'd love to see you try. There's no way. It's so much work. You don't even know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do it. I'll do it next week. You watch. It's going to be the best unbirthday day you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> nice. You remember the, the specific theme, too. <laughs> That's a little odd that I know that. But yes. Unbirthday day. That's a fun one. Unbirthday day. That's great. Talking about these in, in retrospect is so I weird. love it. It's a whole, it's a whole like micro universe that just has its own rules almost like, oh, know, totally. it's so different. So we get off yeah. the bus and we're actually very cordial at that point. We get off the bus and she's like, well, listen, really, if you want to run on Wednesday and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'd love to. Cause of course, like it's a dream of mine. Like I would absolutely love to right. be a director right. and I, and frankly, like being the Wednesday director, theme day director, um, was kind of a, a dream job for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect so, fit. <laughs> I go home that night. It's like 1130 at night. And I, I write a thesis on unbirthday day. Like it is a paper. It is a, a 25 page document outlining the theory of unbirthday day. Oh the, you know, the, the, every detail, the, the color of balloons we were going to have to order the type of prizes for each child. <laughs> The games d- designed and rules written down for every closing circle, opening circle, middle circle, whatever. And uh, and and literally like on that Friday, I pre- I take the, the thesis, print mm-hmm. it out, and I put one on every single director's desk nice. and I'm like, <laughs> here's my day, you know. And awesome. so fast forward. um it ended up being a situation where like a lot of my ideas got used and it was like a whole thing. I didn't actually run the day, you know, whatever. But what happened was, is that the impact that I think it made on, you know, the camp leadership from like a planning perspective, kind of just like catapulted me into, you know, sort of that first director position. And that's awesome. Yeah. And it, it was definitely to this day. I mean, if out of all the positions I've held there, um, the director of themes entertainment position, those Wednesday director position, you know, years are probably my fondest because essentially you're the, the most fun of the director jobs, right? For sure. Out the there. most yeah. fun, super stressful. You're around the clock. <laughs> you're trying to satisfy like, you know, 
the kids, but also like, you know, the staff, the morale, the yeah. staff, like they yeah. wanted to have fun on Wednesdays too. And if they're not having fun, like it didn't translate and then the kids right. wouldn't have fun. So, right. but yeah, so then director of Wednesdays following, I think year or two, then I became the director of programs and Wednesdays. That was mm. crazy. So like <laughs> just overseeing all camp specialists, camp non-special activities, um, camp schedule and doing Tuesdays and Wednesdays, crazy days, man. Wednesdays and overnights and fun nights. So I was just like, but, but I listen, I mean, I lived for it. I lived yeah. for that and right. I loved it. And doing closing circles every single day, um, was a dream. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so then after doing that for several years, um, I finally graduated college and had my degrees. And at the time during the school year, I was working in an extended daycare position and, mm -hmm. and like moved into like an extended daycare coordinating position. Mm. And it was time like to kind of step into what my career was going to be now that I had my, my degrees and I was ready to, you know, pursue my career in education from, from that standpoint, because during mm -hmm. the school year, I did work for the school. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Sierra Canyon doesn't have a ton of turnover and mm -hmm. that's great. That's a great thing. Right. Um, but really sad when you've been there your entire life and you want to kind of transition into something that's yeah. more full time and it just didn't exist. So I, I left and I ended up getting a job at a school called Fusion Academy mm. and worked there for one year, mm. almost exactly one year and, uh, moved down to Hermosa beach where the first campus was that I worked at. And mm. I worked as a, it was the director of first impressions was like a fancy way of saying like admissions. So I did like admissions sure. there. And then I did, um, I moved into like a middle school director position at their Warner Center campus. Mm. And then Sierra Canyon calls me um, in December. Um, my, my very good friend, probably one of my closest friends, Adam Horowitz, mm -hmm. calls me. And uh, at the time, you know, he and I, again, he's the son of the founder of the school. So he and I had known each other really right. since I was 40, uh, four years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, hey, I've got this position. And um it's, you know, kind of like an assistant role to me and curious yeah. if you'd like it. And I was like, awesome. nope, nope, I don't, I don't, I'm happy at fusion. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to be in like an assistant role. I just, mm -hmm. just kind of want to continue to move my career upward. And mm -hmm. then, uh, two weeks later, I get another phone call and, uh, this time it's, um, from their head of school office and I come in for a meeting and that's where it's kind of unpacked that like, this is sort of the 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 starting point of like moving into a dean position mm -hmm. and that that's what this is it's not cool just, it's not work and mm -hmm. fast forward to today so now like i have a dean position there at the school um during the school year and then when i returned i came back for camp in a director of operations position for the first summer and then after that i stepped into the executive camp director position and so wow. since i've been i've been basically the executive camp director since then wow. and yeah i mean it's been wild like just i mean that whole place in and of itself could probably capture two hours of conversation. I know. Unpacking the pandemic, being one of the only schools to offer in-person and hybrid so that kids could have an opportunity to see mm -hmm. their teachers and doing everything outdoors safely, but keeping it within the LA public health guidelines. Mm -hmm. And, I see. Um, you know, just it's, it's wild. Like that journey in and of itself was incredible, but also, um, this is the most stressful, you know, years of, yeah, my, sure. of my entire life. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're waiting. You're just waiting for bad news all the time. <laughs> oh, I mean, and, and yeah, like, oh, it, no, we're shutting down again. 
I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the worst part about that job was. Um, mm. because, uh, you know, we joke around at school, the, the high school and I sometimes now, but like he used to call me the COVID, the COVID czar, right? Because I knew all the guidelines, all the guidance, all the rules, every single little thing that the CDC right. says, the state says, the, you know, county says, so that I would be able to fully hear where people were coming from who were on the spectrum of like the bell-shaped curve of where they felt about COVID. Mm. And so my job, the reason it was so rough was because of two things. Number one, I never made anybody happy, no matter what. So <laughs> whether you were a person who was very, very, you know, pro-mask, didn't want any of the kids to ever be in person, you know, very, very, like, very cautious, stay home, mm -hmm. pro everything, like within the rules, like I was going to disappoint you because like we were always like right in the middle, you know, like we, okay. we, we can't quite, we can't quite go to that extreme. Like we're, we're right here. We're following all the rules, but like, we're not pushing it to all the recommendations. Mm. We're doing everything that's required. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on the flip side for anybody who wanted this to be over the moment it started and thought the masks were a joke and thought that any regulations were a joke and, you know, Anyone on that side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. I was bringing you into what we had to do as a, as a county. So the first right. part of that, you know, of the reason this was so painfully exhausting was because, you know, it's, it gets really hard to just constantly disappoint people. So there's that. Yeah. And then, and then the other piece, um, which probably was a little bit harder was that I just, I was never allowed to be wrong. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, is that in my position for school and for camp, um, mm -hmm because I was the point person for it, the pandemic, um, mm. everyone would point to me. And mm -hmm. because they would point to me, that would sometimes mean, hey, you know, parent, go talk to Garrett about, you know, your concerns or teacher or administrator or board member or whoever, or administrators, teachers, whoever would come to me, ask what the rules were. Right. And there was never any way I could be wrong. I had to always be right because if right. I was wrong about something, then all the credibility would be lost. Yeah. So I had to be right. I'd have to be able to essentially, you know, quote it from where I, you yeah. know, where it was read, where it came from, the updated guidelines, which would change every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, Crazy. It was nuts. So those are the two, the two things that made it so difficult. And definitely like if, there was ever like the hardest part of my entire life. Like to this day, I'll, I'll always be grateful and you know thankful for the fact that we are no longer in those times, but mm -hmm. definitely like the hardest two yeah. to three years of my life. It was nuts. No one was, no one was prepared to, to handle this well. And there is no like good answer at all. I mean, even in our situation where we were able to have like dedicated, you know, home teachers to, to like essentially oh, handle yeah. the hybrid students. Yeah. Even with that though, like you ran into problems of like equity, right? Because yeah. like, you know, now we've got some people who can just wake up, stay at home, you know, turn on their computer and they're working. And then you've got others who have to actually come on campus in person with people mm -hmm. and arguably put yourself at more risk, you know, to yeah. do that. So it was, it, yeah, I mean, no one was ready. No one was ready for it. Yeah. Uh, we all did the best we can. I think that teachers are heroes in, in today's day and age. Like really teachers do not get enough credit for what they had to go through during those times. Crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, like I, I just have so much more respect for them and, you know, here we are better, stronger, 
And that's one thing about life, you know, like life throws us bricks, mm. you know, and they can either knock us down or we can grab them and put them on the ground and then step up and, and like level up into the next thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just keep taking steps, mm-hmm. take the bricks, layer and it's like a staircase, you know, and we rise above it. And yeah. I would say that that's what we've collectively been able to do since then. But man, no joke, like those bricks would hurt when they would smack us. Yeah, <laughs> especially, I mean, that first brick in March 2020 was just insane. I, I still remember like watching, I think I was watching an NBA game. Yeah. And I remember being disappointed that they canceled March Madness and like my Oregon Ducks were like really good that year. And I remember seeing Mark Cuban like exploding after reading uh, something on his phone. He's like, what? And then that's when yeah. he got the news that it was like canceled. Like that's a nuts. crazy, crazy It was day. nuts. One thing I did do was I played a lot of golf. That was pretty yeah, same. awesome. Yeah. yeah same. Like golf courses were like, for whatever reason, the only <laughs> safe place in the yeah, world. No, like the... They like try to make it like COVID safe by having you not touch the flag. So they had a little thing. Oh yeah, get up or something. Yeah, yeah a little, a little, noodle. little noodle thing. Yeah, so we still whenever I miss a putt, it's it's usually because <laughs> not that it's there. It's yeah. just it's it's psychologically it's all it's in, there in our heads. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we should play some golf sometime. I'm down. Let's go. I'm not nice. very good, but I I freaking love it. I try to play like once a week if I can, and. Yeah. uh yeah, I, I do have COVID to thank for that, for sure. Like my obsession. To learn, yeah. But it yeah, doesn't help like, with the financial planning very much, though. <laughs> I know. Well, dude, uh, disc golf is free basically everywhere. <laughs> I, I'm just, I can't get crazy? into it. I just, I'm I like, I don't know what it is. Like, I probably it's because of my like very big insecurity of not being <laughs> able to throw a frisbee very well. I think that's probably what it is. But um, anyway, yeah, no, I there's I something about hitting a golf ball that's like just so satisfying that keeps you coming back. Like when you do like ten of those right in a round, and like you're good, you keep coming back. You do one of those right, yeah, in, like eighteen <laughs> holes. That's the one shot that it's like, hey, you know what though? Like I'm into it. I'm like still I'm good. I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. Totally. All right, man. So we covered uh, real estate and we covered camp in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we covered a bit of, of the music side of things. I wanted to ask, how many instruments can you play? I wasn't good, sure. Yeah. Gosh, I. it's funny because like now, when I was in college, the answer was 24, right? Holy and the, cow. It, yeah. It adds up pretty quickly though. Like if you talk to like people who are musicians mm. who like know how to play, a certain type of family of instruments like yeah. so for example like you've got like brass which has like trumpets trombones french horns all that stuff mm-hmm. woodwinds you got like clarinet saxophones oboe flute all that stuff mm-hmm. um strings violin etc percussion okay so yeah. for yeah. me i i i started with piano um naturally naturally just like got into it when i was a kid took some lessons loved it got in trouble in my lessons though because i got bored of what was on the page so i would always like come up with met better things in my mind to make it more interesting yeah and thus i should have known back then that's why i needed to be a composer not a mm. instrumentalist but mm. um started with piano then got into clarinet and then clarinet because it's in the woodwind family just sort of naturally got me open to trying like all the different saxophones and then like mm, saxophone cool. even though they're different sizes the way that you like play the instrument is very similar. So like mm-hmm. you might have to change like how much air goes through it because of, you know, for different sizes, et cetera. But mm-hmm. like essentially, like if you can play one, it's not too difficult to learn the others. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself, like took up, you know, seven 
or eight on the list and it's gotcha. now we're at nine right and then it's like then you got guitar and you got bass and you've got um you know like accordion yeah. is in there randomly because like it's a piano with you know with wind that goes through it um <laughs> you know so it so it adds up and then when i was in college like i started being able to um you know kind of futz around with other instruments too just because i was into learning things so i learned like a lot of different like percussive instruments um i learned uh you know um like organ for example is different than piano but like at mm. the same time like you know you learn one you pick up another one basically long story short like that's the number i would tell you in college today i don't play clarinet saxophone pretty regularly like at mm -hmm. all because mm -hmm. as a composer i'm basically playing piano and guitar um most frequently mm -hmm. um so piano is probably my best instrument that i can play mm. um i would say after that would probably be like still even clarinet and saxophone and then behind that would be like guitar um That's awesome you know stuff so but it's a lot of fun i mean I, I i love it i still love it yeah your brain is like wired that way i remember like at camp you could improv music all the time. You just like create a song out of nothing and just rhyme a couple yeah. words. Like you're Dude, always really good at that. I know. I, I, that, man, <laughs> thank you for saying that. That's very yeah. kind of you. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely love my rap battles. I definitely yeah. love my love songs. Um, you know, <laughs> we're in a different world today. So like I've had to like tame that back and also becoming a dad. Like <laughs> I think like I've slowly become, you know, I, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask like the staff that now work with me today. Mm. But the hard part is, is like, they don't know me as much from the past, like the way you yeah. knew me or like yeah. our generation yeah. when I was, you know, essentially a 21, 22 year old director um, mm. knew me. It was, it was probably very, very different than who I am today. But I do sometimes like last year I, I came out in a rap battle and, you know, did awesome. what I had to do and, you know, it kind of, <laughs> I go in shocking people. Like, actually, I did a Willy Wonka rap way back in the day. Mm. Willy Wonka day. I mm -hmm. think you were there for it. Um, Probably. It came back this summer. No way. Yeah. How? Yeah. Like, like you, you brought it back? Like, you remembered it? I remembered it. So nice. I have, like, a file with, like, all of my old songs yes. on there. Yes. And nice. I saw it there, and I was like, no way. And I'm reading it, you know? And uh literally like i i was like man this is so funny like i just got to change a couple of these verses a bit like make it more appropriate nowadays <laughs> and, and uh and then like at the time i did it with my friend uh chiquino uh Jack yeah Rigosta, right my, my brother-in-law your brother-in-law that's right <laughs> yeah. so he played the role of charlie um and i played the role of willy wonka and we come out there and we just go hard with this like willy wonka rap that's like Amazing. set to the song black and yellow by wiz khalifa Oh man. Yeah. So is, is that this, video? Uh it's it is. I have the original oh, video and then I have the video we did this year. Mm. And what I did this year for it was I just interrupted closing circle, like totally stoked that it was Willy Wonka Day, dressed as <laughs> Willy Wonka Day. I had my friend David play Charlie, and we came in hard with the music, did mm -hmm. the whole rap. And the whole bit was at the end of it is that it wasn't Willy Wonka day. I just like got it wrong. Right. Oh like God, that's, that's it. <laughs> but, like fully decked out. Like what I love it. Yeah. So, I but I, I've got a recorded version of that song now that we gave like the, for the staff on the staff video, you know, we did something like that. We're, we're trying to make a music video of it for the staff in service this year and just Heck make it yeah. way over the top. Like, 
hard, you know, like, yeah, but it's Willy Wonka, you know, I just, I don't know. I, that's the kind of humor I think that <laughs> makes me laugh the most is like just taking a topic that's so like, you know, I don't know, like safe, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, so kitty, like, so like not, and then just like combining it with, you know, ridiculously gangster rap, you know, yeah. like just, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Dude, that like sets the tone though for yeah. that special feeling, right? At camp. Um, totally. that's like the kind of stuff that you need. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, this was uh an awesome interview. Is there anything else you wanted to share or promote while while I got you? You know, I don't know what else what we yeah. kind of do. Like we covered so many things, but there's um, there's I know there's a lot. I mean, I, I just really <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to like sit yeah, down. Dude. It was great to just like reconnect and yeah. um yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to follow me on on Instagram or TikTok, you know, I've got I've got basically like my real estate stuff is available, free content. You know, hopefully it's helpful. But you can follow at Crosby Show Homes is mm-hmm. my TikTok handle and also my Instagram stuff. Um, I run a couple pages on Facebook too. So if like you're in San Fernando Valley or anything like that, you can follow those pages. And cool. it's, it it literally is just straight up like real estate advice for people mm-hmm. who you know don't even know where to begin or they don't think they can buy a home and maybe could surprise you. And I'm just like really open to those types of conversations. I'm I'm not a, not a very salesy type person. I just like to, edu- I'm an educator, right? Like that's, yeah, that's really right. what I am at heart. Um, And then my music stuff. Yeah. You can find me on Spotify. You can search just Garrett Crosby and you can listen to mm-hmm. the film score stuff that I write for Vietnam there. There's, mm-hmm. I think there's like a children's album on there from like 2015. <laughs> um, You know, you can find my movies. You can look on IMDb. For that stuff so I th- yeah I think that you're definitely my, my first guest probably my first for a long time that was going to be listed on imdb oh for sure hey well <laughs> that's pretty great. sick that's very exciting we've won a we've won a golden locust which is basically the academy award in vietnam so that's awesome no big deal if we got a golden <laughs> locust <laughs> anyway oh, man, yeah. that's awesome that's killer yeah. dude um, yeah, and I'll link to all that stuff. If you want to share like uh, the actual links you wanted it to add, um, I can add those in the description. Sounds good, man. Awesome. Dude, cool, man. this was awesome. Thank you so this much. Great. It's great to catch up with you. Hope everything's going good. Wish you the best with, with uh, all your endeavors, man. It's a lot of stuff to, to work on. A lot of stuff in your head. A lot of stuff in my head. I know Crazy. it's time to, time to shut it down a little bit. And <laughs> so tired. Anyway, yeah, no, but I, I, hope, I hope you're good too, man. Great to chat. Have a good one, dude. Are you too? Bye. Later. Thanks for joining Word Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I thank you for joining me. Work Stuff, a podcast. Professional stories casually told on Work Stuff.